Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the cold winter of 1989, a Sabat pack who has suffered an immeasurable loss is given an ultimatum. Go to the Twin Cities of Minnesota, investigate why a deeply embedded pack has stopped reporting back, or meet their final death. This is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night, Sorrow, a tale of loss and regret that follows the Sabat pack known as the Nothing. Join us with Becca playing Linda, a Milkavian anti-tribute, Craig playing Jake, a panda, Jorian playing Abigail, a Ravenous anti-tribute, Monica playing Jenny, a Shimizu, and Slavic playing Charlie, a Buha anti-tribute, and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore btm or on facebook and discord as twin cities by night we hope you enjoy you all start feeling figures walk past you and you soon see the four figures that you saw in front of you lanovia the two teens that were in the club with you and the old priest who was standing against the black abyss wall are soon lost in a crowd and you see more people than you can count are in front of you. And they all seem to turn and look at you. Jenny, you are still trying to struggle, especially seeing all these pale faces, these ashen faces, these faces that you are trying to connect with emotionally by staring at them with your eyes and making that desperate plea of help me, almost trying to push through your mind to theirs. And you're realizing that you're hitting a brick wall when it comes to empathy. You see in front of you, people start stepping aside, almost as if they are trying to make a path. And you see a figure walking from the end of the path. She looks almost to share the same shape as this Lanovia figure. But as she gets closer, you realize it is not the same person or more like the same thing. She has a long robe on and you try to distinguish the color and the color seems to change maybe. It looks fleshy. But then when you look at it from a certain angle, it almost looks crimson. Or it might even have a bile-like tinge to it. It seems to almost radiate or pulse with colors. You look up to her face. And what you thought at first was hair, maybe, you realize is long strips of skin that were peeled from the top of her head or probably down from her back that lay on the sides of her head almost, as if they are supposed to be a cruel facade of hair. This figure looks down at you and you can see the top of her head. You can see her skull exposed with the thin coating of human fluids of blood. Almost looks as if new flesh is trying to grow there, but it can't. It has that same color, the same look as your kid's knees when they would skin them while riding their bikes, freshly skinned. Her eyes are looking at you intensely and you see she has no eyelids. She's just staring at you and you are feeling connected to her at this moment. It almost feels like for seconds, just you and her, but then you start noticing commotion going on to the left and right of this path. There's figures who are trying to like push through these others to get close to her. You see that arms are reaching out. It's almost like she's like a celebrity of sorts. There's others who are caught off guard. They, they, they're not expecting this almost mini wave of figures trying to get to her. 
one breaks through and almost trips and falls in his path in front of her while she's walking towards you. And you see, he looks up and you're trying to make out this figure and he has like spiky blonde hair. And you see, he has like this leather jacket on. He takes off his jacket. He takes off his shirt and you see this pale back and you see him looking up to her, trying to take almost like a piece of her, of her robe. He's trying to grasp it and his hands are slipping off of it. She looks down at him and you see him slowly start shaking and he nods. Like you didn't see any communication. You just see him nod to her and he looks up to her. Slowly, his hand starts going to his chest and you can't quite make out because you can't see his hands. You see his hands go to the side and they go to his chest and you see them pull back as it comes across. You see his skin is being peeled off his chest with his own hands. And he falls down. And his forehead is on the ground and his hands are still out. Gently, he places one of the flaps of his skin onto the robe. It almost merges together. The other end is almost talking like he can't hold on to it. And you hear the screaming start coming from him and you see his flesh start sliding off his back and you hear this moist sound and it almost at tearing and you hear him screaming in an agonizing scream and you see his skin start going up on this robe and you realize that this robe is flesh. And you realize it's still alive. You see blood veins coming across it. And you still see it pulsating. And then you see his figure guys down on his forehead, slowly get back up and you see the tendons and you see this blood, but it's not like he's bleeding like you would expect. And you see him slowly like stand up and he turns at the crowd. His chest is completely removed of all skin and you see him laughing and he's like screaming at the air and he starts hooting and he jumps back into the crowd and you just hear this cheer. <sighs> come up from certain individuals in the crowd you see others looking like what the fuck that are in this crowd and you see her slowly start making her way walking a robe dragging on the ground that flesh from that figure is still making its way up under the robe and she stops in front of you she looks at you what's going on in your head right now jenny Oh, Jenny's coming down from her drugs. Uh, she's she's still completely panicked. She's shaking. She's sobbing. She's drooling a little bit against the gag, trying to fight. All this time, she's thought it was some sort of gang kidnapping. But as she's taking a closer look at this woman and at her hair and at the raw skin, she's starting to think it's some sort of effect of the cocaine. Sometimes, you know, in this time period to cut back on drug costs, they would lace things with other things. It wasn't exactly pure. So now she's thinking, because this can't be real. You've got somebody talking. They have no eyes. Their eyes are just shadows. You've got a woman whose hair is pretty much just slabs of skin now you've got this 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 person fawning over her and his skin becomes part of her she thinks she's tripping hard but now she's thinking if there's anything about this that's true that the drugs are just simply exaggerating that it's not so much a random kidnapping but maybe one of those weird satanic cults that are trying to pull people in and use them as human sacrifices so seeing this person next to her seeing that there's multiple people involved makes her in her own small way, understand that the ability to escape is now, you know, more of a glimmer of hope because, you know, the, the four of us against one person is one thing, but now that there's multiple people, it looks like escaping just won't be an option. So she's really freaking out thinking this is the end of the line for her. This figure is standing in front of you, looking down the robe in her midsection starts to almost move like a wave. It's almost hypnotic. It almost looks like something's trying to get out from this robe. And slowly you see the robe start parting. And you see a hand 
a Caucasian hand start coming through. And you're about seven, eight feet from her. This hand comes out and it like flaps, flaccid almost. And like the, the, the tops of the fingers like brush against the ground. You slowly see it like start crawling. The hand extends out to the forearm. But then when you see the bicep come out, you almost see like another hand is holding onto the bicep. And then when it comes out like six feet, you see that there's another hand holding onto the next bicep. It seems to be sewn together and it slowly keeps coming your way. And you're trying to move and you can't like move. You start even flapping, but then you feel a hand on the back of your neck that's stopping you. It's almost like forcing you to look at this. The hand slowly starts coming towards you and it comes up upon your knees and it goes up your thighs. And then it goes slowly up your chest and it reaches around your throat. And then you feel tugging, like it's pulling you forward. And there's a moment where you're trying to, where you're trying to fight it. And you feel like your knees are sliding on the concrete. You can feel your shoes in the back, like the toes of your shoes are kind of providing a little resistance, but slowly even more, you start coming forward. And as you're coming forward and getting pulled, you see this arm is disappearing back into the robes. But then you see the robe starts opening up a little more as you get coming closer and closer it keeps coming up more and more and then eventually when you get to about two feet away it stops and you see this figure looking down at you and she goes on one knee in front of you and she lifts you up with both shoulders and you feel her strength that she lifts you up because you're still hogtied in the back and she eventually puts her face towards your neck And at first you feel this fear, but then soon you're overwashed with this calmness. It's almost like all the anxiety, all the fear, all the thoughts of your body, all the thoughts of what is going on in front of you right now, all the thoughts of getting your next fix, all the thoughts of life, all the thoughts of motherhood all disappear. And you're hit with this warm wave of pleasure. To say that is orgasmic would be an injustice because you've never felt like this with any lover. You maybe experimented with your husband before you had kids, or maybe you had confusing, bumbling attempts when you were a teenager with people, but never once did you ever feel this pleasure before. And you start hearing your heartbeat. And there comes a moment where your heartbeat gets slower and slower and slower. Then you stop feeling that pleasure and your eyes open. And you're, for a second, you're looking in front of you and you just see that hand all over your face and you realize you're getting pulled into something and you're, you're kind of struggling for a little bit, but you're very, very weak at this moment. And you look up and you see this face looking down at you and you're realizing this hand is pulling you inside of her and you feel your head go inside of her and you slowly feel your upper torso go inside of her and you're feeling yourself getting contracted by her body and you feel your legs getting brought in. And soon you feel this closeness and you can't breathe and it's hard for you to breathe and you just feel this wetness around you and you feel that hand on the back of your head almost like it's trying to comfort you and rub the back of your head. And then you feel that pleasure again on your neck and you're like, what? And you feel the sharp pain and the pleasure and you don't know where it's coming from. And slowly you're lost into your heartbeat again until all is dark. Then your eyes snap open and you see again and you feel and you don't know what's going on because you don't feel your heartbeat again and you feel a wetness on your mouth, but you don't know where you are and you realize you're trying to kick yourself out and soon you try to shove and you feel the wall of whatever you're in gives way and you feel yourself fall onto the concrete of the ground and you look up at the night sky and all these stars are beating down upon you intensely. And you never took a moment, you realize, in your whole life to see what you see now in that night sky. And then in the moment 
that you feel lost in those stars. You see that face looking down at you again, and you see her go down on her knees and you feel the bindings of your arms ripped apart and the bindings on your ankles ripped apart. She puts her hand on your chest. You hear in your head, like in, in Cantonese or in English, you don't know what language you hear and you hear a, a voice. She's looking at you. Her lips are not moving, but you hear this voice and it says, you need to learn to eat. And you feel the hand going to your chest, like it, your chest gives and you feel the sharp pain. And you're like, what is going on? And you feel this tugging and you feel her hand come out and you see that she's holding something in her hand. Do you have, you have medicine, don't you, Jenny? I do not. Oh, you don't. I thought you did. Okay. You see what looks like it could be a lung from what you saw in class. And you see her other hand grab your face and she like forces your mouth open and you see her just start shoving your lung into your mouth. And you feel your jaws getting elongated. And you see she's just pushing this into your mouth. And you feel it go down into your throat. And you feel her hand go down to your throat. And eventually she pulls it out. And then you see her look up for a second. And she grabs you with one hand, picks you up. And you can look down and you feel so weak. But you feel this weird inhumane hunger. Like her, you having your own lung put into your throat brings out this ravaging hunger. And you start feeling these sharpness coming down your your, your gum line, like something's breaking through. And then you look and you see this large flame, a bonfire, but in front of it is this hole. It looks like this huge hole was just broken into the ground and you can't see the bottom of it. It looks dark and you see her just smile and then she just throws you and you feel this weightlessness. And there's a moment where like you feel yourself in the air and almost like when the roller coaster drops and you know it's going to drop, you see her standing, you see all these figures and then you feel yourself falling. Next, you feel a sharp pain as you land on your arm and you hit this ground. So let's jump to Linda. Linda, you are still in this shocked sense, this hypervigilant but slowed down sense. You see this crowd that is in front of you and you see what is happening to this Asian lady and you're still processing it, right? And there's a moment where you're looking at the, the, the figure and you, you see her getting pulled in, you see her get like kind of thrown, but you don't see what she falls into because it's, you know, your head can't turn that far back, but you're noticing as you're looking at everything, a figure that makes its way through the crowd or is along the wall or is right in front of you or is 20 feet away. She's African looking. She's got a white dress on. It almost looks like it's a nightgown, like maybe like a nightgown that was worn maybe in the 19th century or in the you know early 20th century. But your brain is having a hard time processing her because for you to accept where she was moving, it would mean she's moving faster than you can comprehend. You understand? So it's like, you'll see her there. Then she's there. She always seems to be in your vision where you look, but not the most dominant thing in your vision. She seems to be in the backdrop, but she's looking at you. And your brain, like you said, you're, you're in shock. So you're having a hard time processing everything, but she seems to be there. And how can someone 40 feet away from you have direct eye contact with you like that? It's almost like when you had your first crush or almost like when you had any crush and you're at like a bar or you're at a get together, social get together with them. And that look that you two have from across the room for a split second can feel like an eternity. A lot can be communicated in that. A lot can be misconceived in that, but sometimes that can mean there's a connection there, especially if you know you're having feelings for that person. And that's how you're feeling almost now. 
And you just desperately want this person to get closer to you, to talk to you, to say something to you. And there's a moment where you see her from a distance and you're trying to look for her again in the crowd and you turn and you see right before you a figure standing in front of you. And this is not that lady. This is a man who's wearing blue jeans. He's wearing cowboy boots. You look up, you see that he has a corduroy jacket on and underneath that corduroy jacket, he has a plaid flannel that's tucked into it. He has almost like a reddish blondish hair that goes down to the middle of his back and he has glasses on and he's looking down at you. He has no emotion right now when he looks down at you. He's just staring. Slowly, he starts taking off his jacket. And, you, and it's weird because these people, you hear noise, right? You hear people talking, you hear all this stuff, but you see people are giving him the respect to be alone with you in a weird way. Like there's a bubble around him, like a five foot bubble where people aren't converging on. He takes off his corduroy jacket and he straightens out the arms. He folds it and he folds it again and he sets it down next to his feet. He untucks his shirt and he starts unbuttoning his shirt. You see, he takes it off, does the same thing, folds it neatly, puts it on top, takes off his cowboy boots, sets them right next to there. He takes off his socks and rolls them neatly and puts them in his boots. He slowly undoes his belt buckle and he slowly takes his jeans off. And there's a moment where you have that instinctual fear that every woman has in this world when you see a figure like this. When you're looking at him and he's looking at you, you realize you're like, this is not sexual right now. You see how he folds the clothes, his pants, and he puts them on top of there. He's completely naked now, but he kneels down in front of you. He gently takes your hands into his, and he looks at you, and you feel this presence of being watched. And you look above him, and you see that that lady standing behind him, and she has her hands on his shoulder. And you're looking at her for a second, and you realize you see a figure walking behind, like someone who's not paying attention, and it almost looks like this figure walks through her. And you see she's gone. And you see you just have this figure holding your hands again. And there's a moment where you're trying to like process everything going on. And you see him move quick. And you feel his lips on your neck. You feel a sharp pain. And you're washed into that warm ocean of ecstasy at this moment. And you feel yourself like processing this. You're trying to compartmentalize this. You're still in that shock. And you can hear your heartbeat. And you're enjoying this moment and you're kind of forgetting everything that's going on around you. And eventually your heartbeat starts slowing down and you feel the weight of this person who slowly was going along with you as you were going onto your side, come off of you. He's on his knees and he's looking at you and you're on your side again and your eyes slowly open up because you find it hard to keep your eyes open. His lips come down to your ears and he whispers in your ear, it is time to awaken. And you, he sits back and you see him moving over his wrist somehow with something you can't quite make sure he moves his wrist over your face and you just feel the splat on your cheek and you feel it splat under your eye and you feel it start coming down on the side of your mouth and the moment that drop breaks the crevice of your lip and hits your gum line you feel this rush but it's not a good rush you feel this rush of adrenaline almost shoot through you. Your eyes shoot up. You look into the crowd. Your mind, that slow process, that analytical process that your mind went through, pulls the emergency brake, goes into reverse, shifts into fourth gear, and turns around and completely goes the opposite direction that you were in at that moment. And everything speeds up around you. The noises are all loud. You can't focus on your thoughts. 
and you see him slowly getting back dressed and you're looking around and you feel like tears coming down your eyes. You feel like you can't comprehend. Your mind is trying to wrap around the possibility of what his clothes being folded could mean. Where's this lady? You look for this lady. You see her in the crowd standing there, but she doesn't come close to you. Instead, she turns and she walks away from you. And that moment where she walks away from you, you realize all is lost at that moment. And you see that figure who's dressed again, looking down at you. You're still on your side. And he slowly just gets on his knees and he pushes you. And you're wondering, where is he pushing me? Where is this going? What does this mean? And then slowly you feel your back and your buttocks like almost like don't feel the concrete behind him. And then he looks at you and he shakes his head and he just gives you one final push. And you realize that you're falling, tumbling down. And you realize you land on something sharp. You land on top of something and you smell blood right underneath you. Jake. You're looking at everything going around you. Matter of fact, you just saw this fucked up shit happen with this Asian lady next to you. Is your mind even able to comprehend the insanity that you saw, like of this crazy lady of the of the of the of the skin stuff? Like, are you able to even rationalize it at this moment, or is your mind like snapped, or what is going on with you? I think not. I think the only way he can sort of justify it is like that some weird like death cult with some sort of John Carpenter fetish or something. And I think he's just being incredibly selfish right now, thinking like, whatever it is, I hope they just kill me quick because I could not bear to have any of that stuff done to me or it's just fucking with him at this like very primal level. You're seeing all this and then you hear this whistling (whistles) that's usually used by people to get someone's attention. And you see this figure that was in the Ramon shirt wearing the jean jacket with this thick beard and black hair. And he's looking down at you and you remember him from the bar. He's just like got this really arrogant, cocky smile and he's wearing these sunglasses. You see him just take the sunglasses off. And he almost like folds the sunglasses and puts them in his Ramones t-shirt. And he like squats down on his haunches and he's looking at you and he's like, so you ain't no fucking knight now, right? Being all shivers. You ain't feeling so fucking brave now, are you guy? And you just got this rag in your mouth. I think at this point, um, Jake's, Probably from the smells and like everything he sees, he probably is almost choking on vomit because like with the alcohol he had before, like probably yeah. a blow to, or two to the head, like he's, he wants to vomit, but he can't. So he's like, it comes up and then he's like almost forced to swallow it or also choke. You see the figure grabs the rag out of your mouth and pulls it out and you hear all this talking behind you. It's like, a, you know, almost like a party. You hear all this talking. He's coming up to you. He's like, Hey, you want to get out of here? You want to get out of here, guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick with me, buddy. You see me, buddy? You really want to get the fuck out of here, huh? Here, I'll help you get out of here. Just tell me. Just just ask me, please. Say, please, can you get me out of here? Just tell me that. Come on, guy. P- come on, please. spit it out. Sp- 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 spit it out. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, let me just go. I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't hear you. I just hear you sound like a little fucking baby. Come on. Speak like you got some go. balls. You just want to go? Just let me go. I, I won't tell anyone. You won't tell anyone. Okay. All right. Well, here, I'm going to get you the fuck out of here. Okay. I promise you, you're going to leave this place. Okay. You're going to get out of here. All right. Life will go on. Okay. You you sticking with me, buddy? He's like, okay. Okay. And then he turns around. He looks, he's like, you're really pathetic piece of shit. You fucking know that. Why don't you grow some fucking balls guy? I told you I'd get you the fuck out of here. Why don't you man the fuck up? And he like starts smacking your face. At first it's like a little, like, you know, like a little kitty smack, but then you feel like a little stinger. You smack you once. You with me, buddy? You with me? Yeah, and I think Jake like spits out like a big glob of blood or something. And he just smacks you again. And this time it's hard. You feel your ears ringing. You see sparks in front of you. I said, are you fucking with me? Are you with me, guy? 
I think Jake's just looking because like the last one just really sprung yeah. him and he's just like trying to wait for there to be only two of him or something. And you see like his hand comes out, grabs your shirt and you see, you know what I don't fucking like? You know what I really don't fucking like? You probably Jake can't. Jake's his hand. I don't like being told I have fucking freedoms. And then on the other hand, being told I have to come somewhere and fucking make something like me to help a motherfucker out. I don't like that shit. Everyone talks about all this. You're free. You're fucking free. You know, Kane, all this shit. Go do what you want. And then someone blows a fucking whistle and then they expect you to come like back in when they fucking call you and you got to follow the rules. That pisses me off. And you know what pisses me off even more? Come on. Talk guy. Come on. Blubber it out. I'm trying to get to know you here. Come on. Um, okay. You don't fucking know. It's obvious. You don't fucking know. I don't like having to come to a piece of shit like you and fucking give you what I have. No one gave me fucking any kind of shit. So I got to come here and fucking do this shit for you. And I just look at you. You Look at you. You don't even got any fucking balls. You're sitting there crying. You're probably not going to make it. I'll give you like a week if I had to fucking choose. But now I got to sit there and I got to fucking, the only good thing I get to do is treat you like the fucking cattle you are. But then I got to make you like me afterwards. And that pisses me the fuck off. All this talk about freedom. And you're just like trying to focus on what he's saying. You hear him and you see his lips moving, but you're kind of like concussed a little bit. And it's like, you know what the fuck I hate? I fucking hate when I'm fucking told. And you're like, what is he saying? You're trying to focus. And there's a moment he's like, might as well get this fucking shit done with. And you're like, look, and then all of a sudden he's just on you. And you, you're like, what the fuck? And you feel like your face go along the jean of his jacket, like the jean jacket. You feel the roughness of the denim on your cheek. And then all of a sudden you feel yourself lost in this pleasure again. Not going to go through like exactly, but you feel your heart rate slowing down for a moment, right? And you feel yourself like lost in this ecstasy. But again, it's not sexual, but there comes a moment where you, you feel like you, you feel this warmth, like almost like you're, you're thinking, like almost like you're going to see a light. There's this weird blackness that's conveyed in your subconscious. And when you start thinking you're going to see this light, your eyes open up a little bit and you see this figure standing. He's looking down at you and you're like, what the fuck's he doing? He is unzipping his fucking pants. He's pulling out his member. He's just looking at you with this smirk. He just fucking takes his finger. And you see his nail slowly comes out. They tell me to bring you over. I'm bringing you fucking over how I want to. And he's like, have fun in life, asshole. And you see him just like nicks his penis with his nail. And you see his blood just start shooting out on your face. And you feel it like all hitting your face and all your mouth. And you just feel like, and all of a sudden when it comes in your mouth, you feel like your conscience starts exploding. And while you're trying to rationalize what's going on, you feel yourself lifted up, like lifted up. And you see him, he's holding you above him. And he's looking at you and he's like, if you ever fucking find me, don't expect to live. You're not fucking part of me. And you just feel this feeling of him tossing you and you feel yourself going. And as you're trying to grasp onto anything, you feel yourself falling and you feel yourself hitting the bottom of this pit. Abigail. Poor Abigail. You're seeing all this stuff happening around you. What is going on in that mind of yours right now? After seeing all this shit, you're like seeing madness. It's insanity. It's hell. It's hell embodied. What is going on in your mind? In her mind, she is both hearing her friend, Sam, who didn't join the trip, still going like, that is, it's the worst idea ever. You've, you're, we're not going there. You shouldn't go there. While at the same time thinking that maybe she has already died, 
and has possibly landed in hell because this cannot be. It can't. It's not rational. The shit that you're witnessing right now, I mean, you can't see the pit behind you, but you could very clearly see the heavy makeout session that happened with the girl next to you. Well, not makeup, but that weird naked guy. You saw the, I guess, what's going to be known for reverse birth from now on. You saw what happened to this Asian lady next to you. You swore you just saw a guy peeing on someone or doing whatever like that, but it looked like blood. And then you see all this like commotion and all these people in front of you. You saw a lady open up a nun's outfit called Lenovia who had this weird chest that looked like a demon dude with horns on it laughing on there. It's like, it's insanity. It's hell. And just when you think that it couldn't get any stranger, you look in front of you and you see another path being parted. Another, like people are showing reverence to whomever is at the other end of this path. Is that a boy? You see a, a boy, a Mexican boy, a Hispanic boy walking forward and he's wearing a priest outfit too? Like what? What are you seeing right now? And you see him come walking forward behind him is that priest who was speaking before that nun who looks like a normal nun but you're seeing her face her face almost looks like unreal too smooth pale she's smiling and she has like black pointy shark teeth but you see this boy is walking slowly and he has his hands in front of him and he comes up to you and you're like on your knees so you're about the same height right now he's staring for a moment in your eyes his skin looks well normally it would look caramel color or like a amber color it looks a grayish color it looks unhealthy his hair looks like it may be like four inches on top like it doesn't it's not style but it's just like laying on his head and he says to you in english he's like i am sorry i know this is madness but this is your existence now you have to understand things and he sits indian style in front of you and you're looking kind of looking down on him and he puts both of his hands on the side of your face and he's like, you need to see. And when he says that, all of a sudden you hear this warp. It's on, like, it sounds like you're almost, you think you're going to faint. You hear like the noise, like it shoots out. Like all the noise starts being muffled. You feel like these, your, your sensory input from your eyes is changing. And you almost feel like you're in this globe. It's almost like a planetarium effect almost. Or you're like, what is this? And it's almost like magical in this weird way. But then you start realizing, you see like what it is. It's these faces and they look dead and they're different faces. And you're looking around, you see like, like some have gashes in their throats that are open that look pink and murdered. Some look like their eyes are rolled up in their head and they look pale. Some look drowned. Some look like they're screaming in fear. And you start looking up and you see that they're all around you. When you see this figure of this boy, he's just sitting there Indian style in front of you, looking at you and he's looking at your reaction. And he's like, this is your curse. You will add to the multitude like I have added to the multitude and like my sire before me started the multitude for he had a vision along with those who he called brothers and sisters. He had a vision and you see all of a sudden the behind him, the vision of the faces disappear and they open up and you see almost this cosmos like behind him. It looks like stars are circling and a black hole is spinning. You see cosmic dust and you see purples and bright colors. And while you're staring at that, all of a sudden you see like this scale, like underbelly of something comes across it. You can't see what it is, but you can feel this Leviathan feel. And he's like, we fight against the slaves of the antediluvian, but we also fight against the infernal. Those who take this gift that you are given 
and use it and give up their freedom. You will realize this as time comes. You will probably never see me again. If you do, then it is meant to be. For we are of a line that is different than others like us. For my sire was a great beast that came from a man who realized that he was a god amongst mortals. He did not need the infernal gifts, for he carved his own path. And his name still strikes fear in those that serve the infernal. I am sorry for what you are about to go through. I really am. But if you make it through, you will be like me. And you'll be like my family. And our family is large. And our family is growing. I wish you luck. And when he says that, you're like, oh. <laughs> you're like, I'm sure there's a moment where you're like, this is not as brutal as I thought it would be. And then all of a sudden, it's all gone. And you realize you're in the middle of this air. And you're like, what the fuck? And you're falling. And you feel yourself falling. You feel your hair coming up. Like you can look up and you see you're falling down this hole and you see your hair, you know, is like ahead of you. And as you're like, what the hell? And you realize what's going on. You turn, you twist and you hit this cold concrete and you feel forms underneath you. You all four are in one form or another on the bottom of this like pit. And you look up and you see the night sky and you see the stars and you see the source of the fire. The, the, the fire is illuminating almost and it, brings out these figures that are standing around this large pit looking down at you. You see all these figures looking down at you. And then all of a sudden you hear this crackling laughter coming from some. You see forms are like in the air, silhouettes. And you hear screaming as figures are dropping on top of you. And you're like, what? And you see all these figures are coming down and getting thrown on top of you. An old man falls on one on top of you and you can tell he's still alive. You just hear this, whoo! as he like lands on one of you, you see crying children, you see mothers, you see like all these people that were probably just drug off the street or are now being just levied on top of you, almost like you being buried alive in people. And soon you start feeling this hunger and you start smelling this iron smell in the air and you start smelling this pain and this blood. You hear this screaming and moaning and begging as you feel this compressed weight. You can't even see the sky anymore because you have all these bodies that are falling on top of you. And soon you feel this, your teeth come out and you feel this feralness come out in you. And then you lose yourself for the first time to the beast as your fangs seek in randomly, as you're ripping apart faces, trying to find a source to releases hunger from you you find your feet crushing people's faces along the walls you're trying to climb out you find yourself feeling no mercy at this moment you feel sleek blood and bile you feel intestines that are coming out of people's stomach as you're clawing through them trying to get your way out and then finally as you think you break free almost and you feel your hands coming out you feel hands grabbing yours as you all start getting pulled out of this pit hello if you're enjoying Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Seas by Night Sorrow, I would highly recommend our Ghoul's Fatal Addiction story, Servitude, which takes place three months before the events of Sorrow and is part of the Twin Seas by Night continuity.